Welcome to the Loco Parentis podcast, a fostering and adoption podcast featuring former cared for children and adoptees. Hosted by me, Tuana May, a former cared for child and adoptee. And this week we have Anna Gupta, academic at Royal Holloway and the co-chair of the study on the role of the social worker in adoption. settings. At, in, in, in England, um, in Britain really, a lot of the social workers are employed by local authorities, but there are social workers that work in voluntary agencies at community agencies, but it's most um, normally associated with the state in terms of local authorities. Um, so they, uh, social workers have a role in supporting families where children are in need, in family support services, working to prevent children coming into the child protection system, coming into the care system. Unfortunately, those roles and those services have been quite seriously cut and hit by budgetary constraints through austerity policies. But that is, you know, it is an important role for social work to work with families to try and, you know, maintain, try and address their difficulties and maintain families in their, their children in their birth families. Um, you then get children that will come into the sort of child protection processes, so they are still living with their families, but are coming into sort of become child protection processes so that there can be a report about possible neglect or abuse, and social workers will assess the children and families. They might be put on a child protection plan. If it's felt that children, and social workers will work with different professions, different agencies, and once again, um, to try and, and uh, resolve and try and mitigate the problems that are happening um, for the family and for the community and environment which they're living in. But also, um, if, but if it's felt, and, and they work with other agencies like school um, health, if it's felt that children aren't safe and they're going to uh, at, remaining at home, it will go to court proceedings again. Once again, social workers are really professionals in that, the local authority can take care proceedings. If a child is felt to be at risk um, or suffering or at risk of suffering significant harm, and through that process in the family courts, so sh- um, children come into the care system. I mean, they can come in voluntarily, but I'm just summarising it. Can come in through a court order, a care order, and then the um, and children are then placed in foster care, residential care. Some of those children will then go on to be adopted. Some are placed with kinship carers outside of the care system. Some return back to their families, their birth parents. Um, so in that, you know, social workers have a key role in the court process. And then if children are uh, not returned to their birth families um, and they're in care or the plan is for them to move on to adoption, social workers will um, support them in the, in the foster care placement or residential care plans for them, review plans. B, you know, the, the, the local authority is their parent. horrible yeah, word, corporate parent, yeah. terrible yeah. word, but corporate parent, and the social worker is, is that is that key sort of person fronting that, yeah. really. Um, and
and some social workers will be supporting the foster carers and some will be supporting the, the, the children or the people who are in risk of care. For children who go on to be, to be placed for adoption, there will normally be the social worker for the child, there will be a team of social workers that will ask specifically about recruiting and matching um, adopters and, and then supporting adoption placements until it goes to the court and adoption order is granted. So in those situations, the social workers would work together, hopefully, to try and yeah. find a, a suitable match for the child in, in the adopted. So if a child is in care, if children go into care, and if they're in care for quite a long time, and they're not going to go back to their birth parents, is it the next step is for them to have a permanent family, an adopted family? Well, um, there are a number of different ways to go to permanent, permanent families. So the plan is, so if children can't return to their birth parents, you know, the, the court, social workers, other professionals will want to uh, will want them to be in a placement where they feel secure, where there's stability of the relationships, and you know hopefully the placement can last for their childhood and, and into adulthood. Um, so some will go into some will go as I said into kinship care, so into with grandparents or aunts, but they're often outside of the care system through special guardianship. Some. The majority really will actually stay in care um, under long-term fostering. Um, some might some might be in sort of residential care, usually if they have quite high level of needs, either through disability or through emotional behavioural problems. But there is, you know, one route to permanence is through long-term foster care. The other, um, or kinship, the other is kinship care. But then there's adoption for um, some children who um, are generally younger children yeah. will go into adoption placement. I was a, I was a, I'm an old adoptee. I was oh. adopted just before I was 15. Oh really? Yeah. So did you so we went, to? Uh, yeah, so we, went, so we went to my mum. Um, so I went, so she fostered us first when I was about three. We went back to forwards a few times. Yeah. And then the last time I saw my birth mother was when I was about six, yeah. just before I was six. And then we were kind of stayed in that same foster family. And, and then it came to the point when we were a bit older and it's kind of like, we've been here together for a while now, shall we make this permanent? And it was kind of like, yes. Right. So that was, that's a really nice, that's a really good story. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah. but it's quite strange when I, and that was kind of one of the bits that popped up in the show that my mum adopted when I was really old, even yeah. though, so when I tell people, they're like, that's, what? Yeah. But and I know that probably wouldn't happen now, would it? If we, it could happen, it could happen. Um, uh, I mean, some children, you know, it could happen, yeah. I've got a friend who's fostering three three children, and um, it's a long-term foster placement, and they're her family, yeah. you know, she's, they're her children, she's their mum, and they still see their parents, yeah. but those girls have, are asking now, and they're probably... Nine, eleven, thirteen, yeah. and they're asking now, could they be adopted? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, certainly my, uh, yeah, my friend, you know, is talking to the local yeah. authority. It would need to go back to court, and it would uh, involve the parents and the parents giving consent or that being dispensed with. So that can be a complicating factor. Yeah. So if so, so parents can say no to. So I always understood with us that it came to a point of. It was, she no longer was could make any decisions for our lives. So when it came to adoption, 
could she have said no? But then it could have still happened anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So she could have said no, but the court could have decided that it was better for you to be adopted than not adopted. Yeah. 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 But those those are you know when children you know they they um, you know really important particularly when I think when it comes from the child. Yeah. Yeah. It was important. I I was I was conscious the older I got, and I suppose maybe when I was sort of like early teens. Well, whenever the kind of the question arose, and I was I was aware that I could leave care at sixteen, and I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to be in that position where no. I could leave care yeah. at sixteen, even though my mum. I think even if we stayed there, she would said, "But we are still a family." But technically, I don't have a family yeah. if I leave, and I was like, I, "I don't want that." So when adoption, I was like, "Yeah, I'm getting adopted." Yeah, this is it has to happen, and so I was. I'm, you know, that's why I'm glad I got adopted. I didn't want to leave care because I didn't yeah. want to have a family. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's, a, that's quite a tough thing to kind of grapple with, I suppose, when you're quite young. Yeah. When you don't have any contact with your birth family. Yeah, and then you foster. Yeah. And, I mean, I think a lot of the, the sort of, you know, the good foster carers would, like your mum, mm. would say, you know, would say just like, um, you're our family and you're staying here. That there is. But legally, there's no ties. Right, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. I mean, there are arrangements now, and the state, the full stay put arrangements. Yeah. But again, they're dependent on the local authority yeah. decision making. But foster children can stay post eighteen. Yes. With foster carers, yeah. And like my friend in, in um, she would. Uh, those children will stay with her. Yeah. Those yeah. children will stay with her, but they're not legally connected. Yeah. So I think that's you know that is really. So why do there seems are, are there more children in care going into care now than ever before? Yeah. Why is that? Um, well, there are lots of different sort of hypotheses, lots of different reasons for it. Um, I quite, I, I certainly believe that a lot of it that there's there's two, three main factors. I think a major factor is that under the austerity measures, because this has happened in the last 10 years, yeah. and it's on year on year on year, the numbers are increasing. I think that austerity policies are really hitting. I think that families' lives are harder, you know, with the, some of the benefit systems, with some of the housing problems. The community support services aren't there, because a lot of the children are coming into care for neglect and emotional abuse. It's it's only a small proportion coming for the physical abuse and sexual abuse. It is neglect, which is and emotional abuse, so it's linked to parental mental health problems, yeah. substance misuse, parenting difficulties, domestic abuse. You know, families just are you know really struggling in difficult circumstances. So I think you know the cutting of youth services, the cutting of, of um, children's centres have all really impacted on the prevention of children, prevention of family difficulties yeah. and, and, and troubles in families. Um, and, you know, social work, as I said earlier, had, 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 you know, in law has a crucial role in that place. Um, but the ability to provide those services is shrinking because the community services are being cut. Plus, caseloads are really high, budgets are being cut in yeah. children's services. So they have to focus on the more heavier end more serious child protection but doesn't, cases. doesn't that cost them a lot in yeah, a different, a different way? In a different way, it costs and then, a lot then, more. I suppose I'm looking at it in this sense of if you're, because you're saying that people are poverty. Yes, yeah, poverty, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, enhancing homelessness, yeah. 
That's it, yeah. But then that has a knock-on effect down the line then, Absolutely. doesn't it? So you're so as you're dealing with the children now, yeah. but then what happens with, with that? There's stuff that's happened, yeah. It's just so it's, I mean, on so many different levels it's wrong. One, it's wrong because it's, 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 it's creating emotional hardship mm. as well as practical and you know, resource hardship. You know, as you say, down along the line. Plus, it makes no financial sense because it's much more expensive um, to go to the court systems. Really yeah. expensive. You've got barristers, judges, and then you've got foster care, residential yeah. care. All of those are really expensive. So, it's the, the family support services are the cheaper ones too, but they're the ones that are being cut because, in a way, the later ones have to be. It's all the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it is increasingly being um, noted by sort of local government association, by the Association of Directors of Children's Services. Senior High Court judges are talking a lot about it. There was Family Rights Group did a care crisis review. So there's a lot of people that are saying this system uh, is wrong and it's completely and utterly underfunded. So the more it's squeezed, the more focus is just on the, the more serious and, and you know families aren't given that early yeah. help to prevent it prevent going into the so instead of like the state stepping in elsewhere they're kind of just stepping in when things have got really yeah. bad yeah it's yeah shame, it is a real shame because i know i know for the reasons why we went into care and it was important that we went into care yeah and poverty was a was a was an issue but that was not the reason why we went into care it's difficult to say poverty, you know, poverty is really um, intertwined yeah. with people's lives. Yeah. It's not, you know, you can't say poverty equals, mm. but it's like a systemic cause because yeah. it's much harder to parent in poverty, yeah. you know, in living in a room like this with with poor kids with hardly anything to cook yeah. from and no money and you've got the next six weeks of summer holidays coming up, yeah. you know, it's really hard. And um, you know holiday activities and stuff. So, so, so I think it's it's just it's a really complicated systemic cause, um, but it is relevant yeah. to a lot of these situations. So, if there's more kids coming into care, is there enough foster foster? There's a shortage of right. foster homes. Yeah, as well. Yeah, okay. there is, um, and certainly a shortage of placements, both foster and residential placements. You know, close to. Um, you know, local authorities and communities and families. So there was recently, um, I read in the news, there was a, uh, in Kent, because a lot of the kids get placed, London children get placed in Kent, yeah. either in foster placement or in residential what's placement. A, what's a residential placement? Is that like a children's, children's home? home? Okay, yeah, right, children's okay. Home. So there are a number of them, they're children's homes and foster placements in Kent, there's much more. And so, but the Kent schools are saying, it can be argued is this the right way of doing it but they're saying head teachers are saying we're doing this as a protest and we're not taking looks after children which feels very very wrong yeah but they're saying we're doing this because actually we're just not being resourced yeah. to meet their needs and it's our only way of making a stand and getting people to hear us i mean there's things around us yeah very strongly about yeah. you know you can't deny looked after children's schools but yeah, kids need you know, education but somebody needs to take control yeah. of it is yeah. what they're saying um and you know and, and and these kids are placed outside of their you know their community yeah. their families their local authority you know you're brought up so you're saying that a lot of so you're saying let's, let's say like london for example there's 
too many children in care in London to be housed. In so they, London. In London, so they need to be moved. Right. To All right. Okay. So it's not yeah. moved because they need to be there for their safety. Yeah, or it's just like no, it's moved no because there is okay. nowhere else for them to go. In London, so they've often placed them. Oh, so that's you know, so that's a completely different environment. You're brought up in Peckham and then you're placed in, in Whistable you know, or Canterbury. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. yeah. So so there are those real problems and real tensions in the system because it is just being overwhelmed. So one reason I think why is it so one reason is the um, and that is a major reason is the resourcing issue. Um, and another another uh, reason is a sort of risk averse culture. And because a lot of the rise started in fact, just before the austerity, in two, after 2008, when there was all the publicity about the death of Peter Connolly, the yes. MP, yeah. the politicians got involved, mm. and the Sunday yeah. newspaper got involved, yeah. and so that created quite a risk-averse culture, you know, with social workers and others, you know, managers not wanting to be, you know, the next Karen Gay. Yeah. And off, and it's they're inspected, the local clubs are inspected by the inspection regime. It sort of fuels some of that. So it's a mixture of a lot of different factors. Um, you know, family hardship, cutting resources, risk averse cultures. Social workers not having the time that we used to do to work with families and help manage that risk and help think about other agencies that could help manage yeah. that risk for that child. You know, so if you're worried about a child over the six week summer holiday, you know, you've got a summer holiday escape play scheme that at least he's going to be seen or she's going to be seen, you know, three weeks or so few days yeah. a week. It's a lot easier to feel that that child's going to have a sense of protection than if you've got nothing like that. Mm. If you've got a mother with mental health problems who's, you know, really struggling and there's very few support to support all my mental health children's welfare. So it's all, so it's very complex, but fundamentally it comes down to you know, just a real tightening of resources yeah. in a risk averse context. Because I suppose everybody's experience, I suppose, of social workers who've not had a personal experience is through the media. Yeah. And it's only ever, they only seem to pop up when something bad, when something's gone wrong. Yeah. And then that's, and you need to, and they seem to get to the front of, of like everybody's anger when they, and I, one of the reasons why I think that is, it's partly because I don't think people understand what social workers do yeah. and also why those children are in contact with, why social yeah. services are in that child's life. You don't understand what's going on. Like people, and if you don't have any experience of that, that's kind of fine, which is, you don't want to know why, what, yeah. what goes on with some kids. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, but, so for me, I had two social workers, but we had two, partly because the first one, um, um, she went on maternity leave, so we got another one. So we got we had two in all our time, and I That's very good. yeah, That's and I thought they were brilliant. Good. They were like yeah. the first one. I can't really remember because I was quite young. But then I had the second one from maybe when I was about nine to just before, just like when I was adopted. So we used to see her quite a lot, and it was just and she was explaining everything to us like we're doing this, this is going on. Are you happy with that? And I was like, yeah. Like, didn't understand what was going on, but you know what I mean. So, what was it about her that made her really good? Because this is really important for people. What? What? Um, I well, she was friendly. She seemed yeah. to be. She was interested in us. She was interested in what we were doing when it wasn't 
social being in care stuff is like yeah. what have you been doing at school she was just interested in what we did so and then she's kind of explained everything to us as well even though a lot of the stuff i didn't understand yeah. and then so it's always like we're doing this is right and so in two months we're going to court for this this is going to be this you know they just yeah. explain the process and so and then so my mum would say oh social workers come in uh, this date and we're like call cool, okay and then she'll tell you she'll explain a bit more about what's gone on in the time yeah. and i've spoken to her but she'll explain to you so That's we right. kind of knew everything even though we didn't understand it it was just everything was explained to us of of that of, of what what was going on in our lives and see that's another problem at the moment um because because it's really tough in to work as a social work in children's services because of the pressure of work the amount of work um the lack of resources um and some of the management cultures that are fed by a sort of you know inspection regime etc um and uh, social workers aren't staying in the jobs mm. or they're moving on to other agencies so what's what's the, that's, you know it's a real problem for children who are in care because yeah. of the lack of continuity yeah. and getting a different social worker building up that relationship mm. then leaving some young people will talk about having them made now really? yeah. so me and my brothers were really like i think yeah. i think we know that we're really kind of fortunate in that sense of that we went into care um my brothers went to my mum and I went to a different foster family, yeah. and then I think we came, went back into care, and we went back home again. And then when I think we went back into care, we went back together, yeah. and we always went. And then when we kind of, she said, oh, if these kids ever come back into care, I'll have them back again. So my brothers went, and then it was like, there's a sister, she needs to be there. So we always kind of, we stayed together, and we didn't, we didn't move around. Yeah. We didn't move, we didn't move around the system to different families, to schools. Yeah. And we just had two social workers, and we lost one social worker because she had a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean, it wasn't like I've had enough. It's that I'm yeah. done. I've got. I can't. I yeah. haven't got time. For, you know what I mean? It's like I'm leaving the job for the time being. You need it, somebody else to carry on, and yeah. then she carried on. So, and I think I'm not sure. Maybe that might, she might have. We might have been her last because I think she was moving back to Scotland. So I think we might have been her last children. I'm not sure. She said I need to when because the adoption was coming. So it's like I'll yeah, yeah. do this, and then I think I've gone. Yeah, I think that's what happened. But yeah, we were fortunate in that. Like when you read about kids as well, and you read about them moving in around to school yeah, and families, yeah. and you're like, how are you not expecting this to? How are you expecting exactly. this person yeah. to just function yeah. properly as an adult? It doesn't work like that. I know, and the other, the other, you know, difficulty when there is a shortage of placement, choice of placement, is that brothers and sisters are split. Yeah, and I think that can be really, really damaging. Mm. You know. You know, because siblings are the ones that travel along this journey together, yeah. and you know, you have each other, and everything yeah. changes. Yeah, and that's certainly, you know, with the with more difficulties in obtaining and getting placements that match children's needs. Yeah. The result of that is sometimes that siblings have to be split up. Yeah. So, if you're a social worker, like how many? So, how many children would you have? Like, how many how many cases would you have at one time? I mean that varies, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm not working in a local authority. But my understanding is it's probably around twelve to twenty. Wow. Maybe twenty-five. That's quite a lot, I isn't it? It's been much less than twelve. Okay. Yeah. And so that's families with that's with different different needs. 
Yeah. So one could be easier than the other. Yeah. yeah one could have five children. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not thinking of the number of children. I'm just thinking of the families. I'm not thinking of the children. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you're in if you're working in a looked after children's team, it's chances are it's that number of children. Yeah. Yeah. If you're working in say a family support or child protection team, it's probably family. And then, so when we got adopted, what's the process of being, how did you get adopted? Well, there's, yours was quite unusual. Yeah. Well, you know, it happens. Yeah. But it's not your normal route, uh, in inverted commas, normal. Um, so, uh, what would often happen is that uh, a child's removed from their birth family, it goes through court proceedings, comes out at the end, and in order to, to have a plan for adoption, uh, you need to root out the birth parents. You also need to have explored any family or friends carers, mm -hmm. kinship carers, and root them out. And then, so you then have to, the court has, the local authorities, social workers have to put a plan to the court for a care order with plans for adoption. Um, and so, normally the care order is granted, and then in order, before they can place a child in an adoptive home, they need to have what's called a placement order, unless the parents consent. Yeah. But most often at the end of care proceedings, it's not, it's it's a placement order. Mm. So then a placement order is granted, and the child is usually, you know, the child might be in foster care still, uh, it's been, well, you normally be in foster care, um, and then uh, a plan, there's a plan for adoption. Sometimes foster carers adopt uh, even younger children, um, but often it's another adoptive family is found. And so, because um, these are normally children, certainly there would be plans for adoption for most children who can't go home under six, mm. seven, you know, sometimes eight. Yeah. They're at the upper end. Yeah. This is sort of a straight. This is not foster care adoption. Yeah. That's separate. Yeah. This is about trying to identify a stranger adoption yeah. family. Yeah. Adoptive family. Um, and so they have to search for adoptive yeah. families. And so there are different ways of searching. They will have the local authorities and regional consultants will have a list of or, or a group of of adopters, prospective adopters who are already approved. Yeah. Some of them might be appropriate for the child or yeah. children, and then if not, they can go further out to other agencies. Um, there are there's some forms of advertising, and so there are different ways of identifying an adoptive family for that child, and they usually, as I said, younger children. Yeah. Um, and then once the family, uh, once an uh, adoptive family has been identified, there's a matching process. Is it right for this child? Um, or the sibling group, and then um, if that's agreed, and there are processes within local authorities that you know check the decisions along the way, um, and if that's agreed, uh, a, a transition plan is organised. Uh, you know where the adopters will meet the foster carers or be seen videos. Yeah. Um, of the children, depending on the age of the children, it's really <laughs> hard to prepare. And then it's usually, you know, about a week, two weeks yeah. of a sort of transition period, and then they move to, depends on age and the needs of the child, and then they move from the foster home to the adoptive home. And then after, so you can move, so you can move, so you can kind of be, let's say you're seven years old 
And so you're with a foster family, and then you've kind of been scouted, and then you <laughs> somebody, and then you go to adopt. Do you do you kind of go for tea one day, and then go back to your or is it just kind of? You know, it's for it's for about a week, sometimes two weeks. Yeah. it's building up. Okay, okay. It's, for little ones, it's it's um, you know the babies and that the, the foster carers, the adopters, and you know will normally go to their foster care's house, spend time yeah. there, and gradually take over more and more of right. the child's responsibilities. Yeah. And then it'll be an overnight stay. There yeah. probably wouldn't be many overnight stays yeah. for younger children. Yeah. For older children that are more aware of the process, yeah. you know, they're told. Yeah, yeah. A seven-year-old would be told, so they'd, they'd go on out and sit there and right. eat tea. And that's right. I'm trying to think of when I was seven, that's just... Yeah, it's a lot to contend yeah. with. And, you know, some of, and I think certainly the research on adoptions will show that some older children who are adopted, um, and, uh, you know, and it's in a way that's completely different from your situation, it's that strange adoption situation, yeah. not foster care adoption, that they are the places that are more likely to disrupt or break down. Although right. some younger yeah. adoptions do, yeah, but it it is harder because that seven year old also takes a new identity, yeah, and you know I think also that seven year old might lose contact with their birth family yeah. that they've been having before. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So it's quite complicated. The older, you know, it, it's because the sort of default position in the adoption in England is that it's um, that there isn't direct contact. Yeah. You don't see them. Mm -hmm. There is what's called letterbox contact. Yeah. Um, is that like writing, it's writing letters? Writing letters, letters yes. yeah. Does yeah. it go, the, the letters go both, both ways? ways? Okay. Both ways. Sometimes photos are allowed, sometimes yeah. not. Um, and usually once or twice a year. Um, although there are quite a lot of problems with that system. What, what people just, I suppose, you know, if, Sometimes it comes down to resources. It's not really resources. Yeah, okay. It's even just, and I think it's very difficult for birth families to write those letters. Adopters in the study I did talked also about what do you write yeah. in the letters, and adopters feeling quite conscious. You know, do I actually say, oh yeah, we've been to Florida for our holiday? You know, yeah. showing those class differences yeah. and not, yeah. you know, just really what what people should say. There's a lot of there's a disagreement. Oh well. There's lack of clarity amongst some professionals about whether, you know, birth parents should write, you know, love you or yeah. love your mum or yeah. whatever, you know. What, Mom, what when you my, I used to, I found some, um, we used to get um, birthday cards and Christmas cards yeah. and I threw them away last year because they always used to annoy me because, one, she spelt my name wrong. Oh, I found yeah. that really annoying. I was like, yeah. I remember that the first time I saw that when I was about four and I was like, You've given me this name, which is also really unusual, and I correct people all the time, and then you can't even spell it properly. I'm like, is it? And I was like, is it even my name? So I had to yeah. go and then find, get found my like find my birth certificate. I was like, yeah, this is, we are spelling it properly. I think we're saying it. Do you know what I mean? Things like yeah. that. And then she used to say she didn't write love, which don't, I wasn't bothered by that. So she put from, and then she just used to put her name. I'm like. Yeah, well, we did call her by her first. When we were kind of in care, we did refer to her by her first. But I was thinking, this is, there's so much in this that I... What would you want her to say, do you think? I think I would have, one, I would have liked to have spelt my name right. I think that's really I think so I already was not happy about yeah. that. So anything after that, 
I think yeah. I, was, I was a bit like, this is not yeah. gonna work. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think love, but I think just spelling my name right. I think okay. I would have been happy with yeah. my name was spelled right. right. So yeah. Yeah. So that's. I suppose that's. Yeah. You know, that's an area that needs extra work, and I think which I'd really like to do is, because I did it a little bit in the adoption inquiry, but more actually talk to young people about their experiences yeah. of letterbox contact. Yeah. What do you think? What, yeah. You know, because um, one of the young persons I spoke to in the adoption inquiry, she said she got letters which had things redacted out. Oh, wow. She said, what was that about? You know, and I said, what do you think it said? And she said, I think it said lied. Mm -hmm. I said, what would you have thought? And she said, that's fine, I would yeah. like that. And we need to know that yeah. from young people. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or what, you know. We wouldn't have it, like a social worker or. Yeah, there's usually a letterbox. Oh, okay. right, okay, okay. So different local authorities, there's no set guidance. Okay. I mean, uh, Beth Neal at the University of East Anglia has done a lot of done guidance on it and, and done research and guidance. Yeah. But it's not, yeah, I think very, it's often it's custom and practice. Yeah. What this, what this local pub would be doing all I the think, time. I think, I, somebody who doesn't have any contact with a birth and who's not had any, I think any is nice. Yeah. I think, even if they're not saying stuff that you want them to yeah. say and it might not be a lot and you're like, who are, who, I, I don't really know who you are. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting who you are from this, but. Yeah. Just know that there's some people that you're related to, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's find out more yeah. from that when you want yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. What about Facebook? Is that a problem? Um, I think it is. Yeah, it is. Um, and and that's another reason why you know I think we need in what we said in the adoption inquiry, we maybe need to think again about the current model, which is primarily a letterbox and not direct contact. Because we can't guarantee anonymity. Because these are, you know, um, you know, these are placements that um, a lot of adopters do want to keep confidential and yeah. anonymous. Um, but it's very difficult to, and certainly, um, it didn't come up too much in the adoption inquiry. But anecdotally, from students and from others, um, I hear about um, either young people searching or the opposite or, yeah. or families searching yeah. and it's not hard nowadays yeah. you know they don't so you know my view would be if we start off with a more of an openness mm. it keeps it out of the open people yeah. aren't going to go behind the doctor's yeah. backs you know adopted people adopted young people are not going to feel guilty about it and are they betrayal and is there conflict of loyalty yeah. and yeah. it's all talked about yeah. and I mean that's the research on adoption would say what Communicative openness that these things are talked about yeah. um, and explored um, is, is the healthiest way of going yeah. about it because it's uh, you know it's very difficult I think to guarantee any anonymity. A lot of the families, um, you know, actually, adoptive families. Uh, sorry, a lot of the birth yeah. families, although they might not agree. With the, and, and most don't. Most yeah. adoptions from care in this country are non-consensual. Yes. The consent is dispensable. Okay. It's very different from Europe. Very different way of looking at adoption from Europe. Oh, we'll oh. come to that in a minute. Okay, yeah. Let me finish this brain. So, um, we are Europe. Continent yes. Europe. We're still Europe. Um, so, the, yeah, so, but a lot of birth families, I think, even though with support, there's very little support for birth parents. 
but with support. They might not agree to it, but they might accept that this is the situation yeah. and this is a, they're not going to get anywhere for disrupting it or for upsetting or for work with people to maintain that link and contact. Yeah. Some of the parents might not be able to do that and those are decisions that need to be made. Yeah. Some might be dangerous. Yeah. You know, but certainly the majority that I've come across in that my shaky almost 30 years of working in childcare social work is that, um, you know, most parents are, have had very difficult lives, yeah. uh, um, have struggled in very difficult circumstances. A few are dangerous, but they're the minority, yeah. by far the minority. Yeah, it's, um, so I think some of that needs to be broken down and each, and each situation taken on an individual yeah. basis. You know, there's some parents with learning difficulties that are never going to be able to find their way to the other side of the country to yeah. knock on the door and take that child. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's no, yeah. it's just, so that sort of secrecy needs to be, mm. I think sometimes it just needs to be demystified in order for the children to be able to, or safeguards put on it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, partly for the, you know, well, for a lot of it, but, you know, to give, Children information and choice yeah. about about themselves from, and their history. From my experience, because I've got I had a I've got younger brothers as well, and they went to a different family because there was five of us. Mm. So they went to a different family, and f about fifteen years ago, my younger brother um, made contact with our birth mum, um, yeah. and didn't tell us, which was a problem, because then we had phone calls to the house, and it was just done. He went to social services to ask. I want to find my mum, mm. and they were like, uh, "We need to have a chat about this." Can't knock yeah. on the door, and he wasn't happy with that answer, so he knocked on the front door. Basically, he had a photograph of the flat that we used to live in, really? and because he had a book, he had a book of like, "This is the hospital I was born in. This is the flat that you my didn't family." Have that book. Oh, I didn't have that. No, oh, I didn't have that book, but I knew the flat. Yeah. yeah, but I knew that I know the flat anyway, so yeah. I don't. I'm, you know, but he was yeah. younger, so he was yeah. he went into care permanently at like nine months. Okay. So, yeah. um, so he knew where we lived in London. He knew like in depth of where we were, and he just walked up and down the roads until he found the flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah knocked on the door and said, "Hello, I'm your son." And she was a bit taken aback, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, how so old was he then when he did it? Um, he'd had his, I don't know, he was early twenties, okay. early twenties, yeah. and. Initially, she was because he went to he walked he walked towards her, and she kind of went walked away like I don't know he was he was quite upset that she was quite defensive and it's like well she doesn't know who you are she's yeah. the last time you saw her she, you were a baby yeah you were a grown man you are a grown man but anyway they've since become friends and then spent the first couple of years of that new relationship just absolutely just just. just putting everybody on edge and it was like the birth family as well because yeah. then he it's like we like had cousins kind of our age and younger and stuff and they were like all of a sudden this this new person just came into the family and so some people were happy that he came back they're like oh my god oh, you kids are, you know where have you been it's like well we've not actually been that far away we've yeah. still been in the same borough we've not been that far away we just so they were happy, but some of the younger ones weren't that happy. Yeah. But then we had I had an aunt phone up and say, 
I need to speak to my leader. Like, I'm not, I don't know you. You no can't more. do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So we had all of that. And then I think one of the first conversations, because we sort of, because his family would never let us talk about our time with her. So it's like, don't, it will upset him. So yeah. we never spoke to him. And then, so he just imagined a lot of stuff. So he just, yeah. he just imagined that this woman was great. And then, so remember we said that she wasn't a very nice woman, not kind of saying what exactly went on yeah. with black people thought it's a bit much. But then, so he told her that. And then one day oh, she phoned yeah. up one of my brothers and she was rude to me down the phone. And I was like, and she was like, don't you have a bad mouth me? And I was like, this is the first time you've spoken to one of your children in a lifetime and you're rude. I was like, yeah. this is all just gone. And so we were on the phone to like social services because they'd found like a lot of stuff had been, just a lot of stuff went wrong. And they were like, well, we didn't realize we were gonna do that. And it's like, this is gone. This is good. We didn't get any help. I mean, that's and I found that quite annoying. I was thinking, yeah. oh, so that we need. To, and I wasn't in the country at the time. I was in Australia, and I remember shouting up down the phone to my brother, like, "We need to get it out." You know what I mean? It's like it was, it was, it was not good for anybody. Well, that's part of the problem, also, because I think a lot of the searching and union sort of work um, happens after eighteen, mm. um, and uh, there was also something there for that. You know, it's going back to children's services, but they're so stretched. Yeah. And, you know, you're not seen as a child yeah. anymore. It's not the same yeah. priority. Certainly in the adoption inquiry, what everyone said is that uh, a lot, a lot, not all of you, but a lot of adopted children will want to search mm. like your brother, will want to find out about their background yeah. and identity. Um, and one adopted parent should be prepared for that and maybe talk about it and, you yeah. know, and, and some degree of contact might break down those fantasies. Mm. But equally it is it is it can have good outcomes but it can be really hard. It was that very bad outcomes. Yeah, as we well. were kind of, I was always I was we were Never, yeah. We would have never said to him, you can't do this, but we would yeah. have always just, I remember because we then had a massive argument when I came back and I was like, this is like the worst thing that you've ever done. You, I don't, you don't understand what that woman did to us. Yeah. She didn't do it to you, but we would never have turned around and said, you cannot see her, but we would have liked to have known. Yeah. And we also would have liked to know, not to have our information given out. Yeah. We gave out phone numbers. Yeah. And also what, he, what he said. Yeah. What he said and it's, in so context, yeah. I've seen him since. Sort of by accident, bumped into this is one of the weird things that happens, I suppose, when you're in care and you've been adopted. You're bumping into family members in the street yeah. that you've not seen in a while, and so, so yeah, but yeah, so but it, that whole process needs is really, really sensitive and really emotionally charged and needs to be managed. And I, I, know, I, did, I, I yeah, I did understand, I, I, we understood his yeah. need. It's like you just went, you did it the wrong way, you did it so yeah. wrong, and now that the fact is, like. Your older siblings who who you've not really who've been there for you all the time, even though we've not lived together, we've not done yeah. it, we we are you've kind of broken a trust. Yeah. I know I don't think you can but then he's like, Yeah, but I and he was when he had his first child, he's like, My child was asking why my my adoptive mum, why am I with different colours? It's like yeah. and so and I was like, Yeah and I and I said, I understand I do understand that, but you've not understood our needs yeah. our needs for just confidence and respect and privacy yeah. and now yeah. we're talking about it on a podcast but, um, <laughs> different it's my choice but um yeah yeah it's choice, just, yeah, it's choice, choice. you know choice it's kind of, of yeah and i it's so it's a, a it's a it's a weird one because now they kind of they kind of have a relationship 
and they've had a relationship for about 15 years now. So, and he calls her his mum. Yeah. And it's, it's it was important, but it's always been important for him. Like yeah. more important than for, for the rest of us. It's been it's been the thing that's kind of driven him. And that's interesting since he was the youngest. Yeah. And you would have thought, yeah, maybe the older ones would have had a yeah. memory or relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Not very good ones. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's an odd one. So what's the difference between adoption in here and then in the in Europe? Well, um, a lot of the in in a lot of the European countries they don't use, they don't use adoption from care mm -hmm. in the same way as we do here. Right. It is possible in some countries in Germany um, and in the Netherlands, but it's very low numbers. Um, in other countries, they, it's really not used much for adoption and care at all, so it's Norway and so on, so on certainly some of the Scandinavian yeah. countries. But what is um, a big issue is consent of parents. Yeah. So the adoptions that would happen in, in a lot of, when it does happen in European countries, which is very low numbers, it, it would usually be a relinquished child or a child with the parent agreeing to it rather than through a compulsory order yeah. um, that dispenses with consent. But it's possible, I think, in most European countries to do adoption without parental consent, mm. but it's it's much, much rarer yeah. than it is here. It's not seen as a disposal through the care system yeah. against parental right. consent okay. than it is here. So children would tend to stay longer in, in, to, in the longer fostering placements yeah. rather than adoption and a lot of that is to do with consent so so there have been um, sort of complaints in the Council of Europe uh, from the European Parliament particularly since a number of the uh, Eastern European countries Slovakia Bulgaria Lithuania a number of their children um, have been coming into the going into care proceedings mm. and being placed for adoption against parental consent yeah. That doesn't happen in those countries. So, so there've been, you know, sort of depositions to the parliament as well from some of those countries, and and so there's now in care proceedings if 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 the child is a child of nationals of, of other countries, yeah. there needs to be some notification mm. yeah. to the embassy and stuff like that. So there's an awareness, but it's a different system. Yeah. Children can still be placed here because yeah. it's the court, but it's sort of court are more aware of that of the different and and you know the consideration of whether the child goes back yeah. to the parents country or not. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the future then for if we've got to have more children coming into care? Well firstly I think we should be trying to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> should be trying very much to stop that and thinking about ways of doing it yeah. um, and it's not just about the local authority and the state providing it, I think it's also about you know, developing community groups and resources safe communities but it does need the state and the government to yeah. be funding and to you know, be thinking about how can we make children and their families' lives easier and more flourish? How can we help them flourish more? Those sort of questions, which I don't think is happening at the moment, um, certainly enough by this government. Um, so I think that I think it should happen. I think that there are 
what's the question, what's the way forward. What kind of, what's the future look like? I think it's bleak if it continues, because I think, you know, I mean, it's, well, it's bleak for the families, it's bleak for the workers, and yeah. it's bleak, really importantly, for the children, because they're not getting the level of placement or care that they could be if it was, if, it, if there were more choices, if it was better resourced. Um, plus, also for the foster carers and the adopters, because a lot of the adopters uh, who have are struggling with yeah. placements, mm. struggling when teenagers hit adolescence, yeah. like a brother, wondering what's yeah. happening, where they're coming from. You know. What happens? So what? If, so if um, let's say you, what happens if an adoption breaks, breaks down? down? If child comes back into care, into foster care, and there are yeah quite. Does it happen? I don't want to not like a lot, but does it happen? Um, I mean, it does happen. Yeah. It does happen. I mean, there are different figures put on it. And so, yeah. Well, they go back to the family that they were adopted. If not, would, could you, is it if they come back into care, would it be like a bit of a break? And then, no, well, that's, is that always over? Well, certainly um, for some of them, and there's a group called Special Guardian and Adopters Together, and they um, they certainly are quite critical of the current system, which often means that children come back into care as if as if it was a sort of breakdown and as yeah. if it was a child protection. And certainly some of the adopters in our adoption inquiry talked about going to seek help and then seen as the problem. Oh, right. Um, and getting blamed, etc. And um, I mean, that doesn't often happen, but it doesn't always happen. But certainly there are, you know, there are, um, I can't put a number of it, but, but it does happen. Yeah. And um, some of them will come back as if they're in the care system. Sometimes that might be at the adopter's request, sometimes that might be at the child's request, sometimes that might be dictated by the local authority. Um, at other times, but certainly the adopters, special guardian and adopters together are calling for a more, um, I've forgotten what term for it, but I can't remember, but it's like a bit more like a shared care. Yeah. You know, this is a temporary, let's get support, let's try and get this child back home. And um, is that, and is the breakdown essentially because of like attachment? Issues could be attachment, could be trauma, identity, yeah. which is lots which is of yeah, I mean, which lots is, of different yeah. reasons, yeah. And that's important. Um, I, I know all of that. Lost, stuff. yeah, all of those, yeah. Not knowing who they are, yeah. you know. And I, I mean, a, a lot of you know breakdowns will tend to happen much more in adolescence. Mm. So when young people are going through any way different sort of questions about who they are, and yeah. where they're from, and what their identity, and where they're going. Can be exacerbated, yeah. yeah. Um, no, because it's not necessarily an easy option at all. Mm -hmm. The one study showed uh, Julie Selwyn, and I'm not trying to be so excuse listeners, <laughs> but, but she, you know, she found you know roughly about a third of adoptions going well. Yeah, roughly about a third. I find that there were problems. Yeah, and then in the other third, there was ones that were quite a serious risk of breaking down and then a small proportion that had broken down. Yeah. So, you know, it is, and, and the government had made uh, funds available through an adoption support fund, but, um, you know, that's not enough for a lot of people. I found that as just when I was, um, like in terms of identity and stuff, and 
um, there was like a post adoption centre or something. Mm. And I remember going there to. It was quite funny because I went through. I went through. Um, obviously, because my mum is white, and so I was kind of like, I'm just a black person with a white mum. I'm like, it's just weird. I found that strange. Yeah. And then I thought, I just need to meet other people who've had the same experience, and that was quite difficult. And then I went to like the post adoption centre or something, or the transracial. Anyway, yeah. I went and met some people, these girls, and it was just like, it was so weird. It was just like they were like. They weren't brought up in London, so they weren't brought up in the city for starters. And they were like, I was brought up in the city. I also lived in a family home with two siblings who were the same colour. So they were like, why are you even here? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I was just kind of like... Because yeah. they grew up yeah, like... Yeah, because they grew up in the middle of, middle of nowhere. Yeah. Where they were like, And then yeah. there was one girl who I met, and she said that her family had adopted another black child. And they hated each other. They just kind of adopted a black child to keep her to keep company. Yeah. Yeah. And they hated yeah. each other. Then she said when she first came to London, she was so happy to be around so many black and brown people. She was like, oh my gosh. So she, being from not from London, didn't understand that you can't just walk up to people and say hello. And then she yeah. said, people were so rude to me. And I was like, oh my. I thought, I don't have any problems, actually. <laughs> and then I met some people who'd been kind of overseas adoption. Yeah. As well. And it's just, there's a different kind of... Um, a different kind of experience and a different kind yeah. of trauma when you can turn around and say so where did you grow up well i grew up with my birth mum and when i until i was kind of three or four ish and, and they were like oh my god that was brilliant i went no we went into care because she was not a good parent and they were like yeah, yeah but you grew up with them like yeah so there's a different that's different there's a different experience and it's it's yeah because i don't think because I, I met a few mine to be in a similar group mm. yeah and they're, they're very different yeah and one you know Sometimes they have no ability to ever trace who they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's one woman who you might have come across, and she was um, again. I will come to, and she's she's great. I mean, I could look it up. And she was uh, she's made films as well. She was a social worker here. She's gone back to Canada. Yeah. And she was an abandoned baby in Haiti. Okay. And well. she went back. I can give you the details. Yeah. And she went back. You know, she was just found on the side of the road, and then she was adopted by a white uh, family in Canada. And she went back to Haiti, and um, I will give you her details. Yeah. And so at the end of this, I can do a little, little end of it. Yeah. You can, and, and there's a link to her a film. She went to yeah. the filmmaker and made it. So it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. There were people that I met who'd been kind of um, in orphanages in, I don't know, Cambodia or something. And so they would it's, it's just be brought up like in Surrey or something. Maybe it was like a South South England meetup. Yeah. So everyone but I was one of the only few people who'd there who'd been in care. So it was kind of like transracial and kind of international adoptee. So there yeah. were there were loads of kind of brown people. Yeah. And it was just very few of us who'd been in care. And so it was the ones who had no sense of and they had like didn't give me like English names as well, and so they were like, Look at me, I've got an English name, this is all, and I have to keep explaining to people why I find that really strange. And it's just something that it's, it's just it, what it's the kind of the thing of like what happens to you when you're quite young and it's not your fault, but like just the experience of how you came, and it's kind of like, and the way that you have to just keep explaining it to people, and, and that doesn't sometimes doesn't help. And what's really important is just to recognize that you know. Everyone has such an individual experience, yeah. and really, for professionals, it's about getting to know and understand. You know what's that? You know what what that person's, what that, that child, young person's experience are. 
what their sort of multiple identities yeah. are, how yeah. they see themselves yeah. in relation to their family, and create as tailored as possible plans. Mm. You know, because um, what works for some doesn't work for yeah. others. You know, and you can just tell that by your brother. Yeah. Your, yeah. 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 yeah, completely different family and a completely different experience. And then how it's like we're one family, but within that we went to two different families and just experiences yeah. we've had in those two families oh, it's really different. And our approach to our past is different. So, yeah. yeah, even though and we you've each got a right yeah, to hold yeah, your own, yeah. you know, to work your own yeah. way through. Because my brothers met up. There was a, my my younger brother's um, uh, adoptive mum died. Over a year or so ago, and so there was a funeral, and my birth mother was there as well. So I didn't go, but it was the first time that my brothers saw her. Yeah. So they went for a coffee just before, because um, they were like, my mum, my mum went as well. Like my adopted mum yeah. went. She went. I can't. We can't. I can't. I don't think it's right for you just to turn up at the funeral and not, not having not seen yeah. each other for years. I think we should just go for a coffee first. Yeah. So I, I didn't go to the, I didn't go to the funeral. I didn't go because I thought I don't want to see this woman. Yeah. Actually. Um, but they, they found it a bit strange the first time seeing yeah. her and then they asked her a few questions and she was a bit like I don't want to answer she was happy to see them yeah. she said I'm really happy to see you in a sense and she was saying to my mum they've grown up really well they, they look well um, they, they've got job. This is I'm, I'm, they've turned I'm happy this is yeah. good but they were like they wanted to ask me a few questions about a few things and she was like no we don't talk about that now and so they were a bit pissed off they were like I've not seen her for you I'm like you can't expect it's a weird like there's it's a lot of emotions yeah. and it's a lot of unanswered questions and yeah. so you wait in a lifetime sometimes to to ask a question and then when you get your chance you don't get the answer and it's just like and, and certainly yeah. some of the adopted people that I spoke to you know it, it, the, the, you know certainly they talked about identity development I mean it is for all of us but particularly yeah. you know if you've had experiences around adoption of being a lifelong process mm. and you might be finding now yeah. that something yeah. like a favour yeah. of a child yeah. will trigger it off yeah. I bought um, so I didn't buy my mum helped me buy a flat and it's a really nice flat and I moved into the flat on the day that my brothers went to the funeral and I thought it was really weird that my brothers are hanging out with a woman that we've not seen forever and I'm moving into this flat yeah. which is and I it's kind of like I would have never owned a home if I'd not been with the mum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. kind of stuff. It's like it's very strange that people can be like, there's a, it's a complete it's like sliding doors, isn't it? Like you have a complete yeah, life. Yeah, it is. It's like yeah. it was going this way, and it probably, I could I can kind of see imagine how it would have probably gone, and there's you can imagine that yeah. it probably wouldn't have been a good one, and then I would probably would have sort of made similar mistakes. Yeah. Or I, just, I didn't have that, and you just go the other way. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit odd. Okay. I mean, that was brilliant. Thank, Thank you. Very much. Thanks. Cheers. I enjoyed it. Could have gone on talking for ages. Thanks for listening to the Loco Parentis podcast. I've been Twana May. See you soon.